Sonic States. What's wrong? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk number 150. Woohoo! Dave, I think that's a cue for either a sound effect or a popping of corks. Because you know how uh, whenever Dave comes down to the studio, particularly on a milestone issue, there's usually some form of um, beverage. Oh, beautiful. Ah. Beautiful. Was that real or a sound effect? No, that was absolutely real. I think you chose that particular bottle for its uh, sonic... uh, Content. Content, that's right. I had two of these bottles last night. And they Did you? I had two of these bottles before you came here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hello everybody, welcome. Sonic Talk number 150 and a big bumper, another bumper chat room week. We're going to have to up our streaming le- um, tier uh, at this rate. Um, hello everybody in the chat room. Uh, Sonic Talk uh, can be found at 4pm on a UK time, most Wednesdays, sonicstate.com forward slash live. If you've not been there before, come next week. If you have been there before, come again next week. If you're there now, hello to you and everybody. So um, today uh, we're recording live. This is uh, streaming as we speak. Uh, 14th of October, going to be available on iTunes on Thursday, the 15th of October. And um, But this this bit you get to hear with all the, all the edits and my, uh, my, my brilliant work uh, turns me from uh, a mumbling buffoon into a silky smooth presenter radio type announcement sort of person. <laughs> And I, I largely have to leave everybody else untouched, of course, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, that's the way it goes. So, hello, uh, and let's start with Dave, because Dave Spears is here in the, in the, in the Sonic State Towers uh, board office room. I have. I've come all the way down to Bath, and the sun is shining. Isn't it lovely? It's glorious. Um, I have one recommendation for Bath as a whole. Too many shoe shops. I've come down with the missus, and I've spent two days trawling shoe shops, only to go back to the first one we walked in to buy a pair of boots. So we could have saved, like, 45 shoe shops. Yeah, but it's the process, Dave. It is process, yeah. Did you get any new shoes yourself? or um... No, no. It wasn't, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for you. <laughs> okay, well, uh, anyway, love to uh, Louise, and, uh, and, and I hope she's not uh, now revisiting all the same shoe shops and buying all the shoes in those as well. No, I think we've moved on to tops now. Okay. The singular. <laughs> At least they don't come in pairs, eh? Well, anyway, so uh, Dave Spears, G4Software.com, uh, welcome, welcome. And uh, let's go, let's jump over to the other side of the pond to our two US guests who are not in the same place. Um, we'll start with uh, PJ Tracy, because uh, did you make it last week, PJ? I think you were unable to. You were working again. Is that right? I was, yeah. I had an interview scheduled for that day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. TV um, interview. You're on telly. <clears throat> I was, yeah. Cool. Or will be, I should say. They have to edit down the 20 minute interview to the most interesting 25 seconds and the then 25 syllables yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly that's what they'll show well i'll do the same if it makes you feel any better fantastic <laughs> <laughs> you always make me sound great nick thank you <laughs> there's no need pj tracy composer extraordinaire emmy winning composer is that what they're interviewing about was uh, did you have to pose with your emmy for the telly or was it something else no it was something else uh my studio mate and I have created another experimental film that's gotten some, um, I guess, some traction locally. And uh, they're showing it on uh, public television and then putting it in our premier uh, modern art museum all winter. Oh, and cool. So Are you sort of cleaning up in the Minneapolis art house kind of genre in your, in your uh, area at the moment then? I wish I could say that. I mean, no, actually, it's, it, they've been very kind to us. Yeah, they, they seem to be responding pretty well to what we're doing. So. Excellent. So you've got a good creative partner, and it's all just kind of kicking off. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's great. Excellent. Glad yeah. to hear it, mate. Okay, well, uh, while we're over there, we may as well just nip uh, east, I guess, a little bit to, to say hello to Mr. Richard Hilton. Good morning. Grammy-winning record engineer, producer, chief engineer. There's too many things on this list for me to read out. Just say, we'll just say that Rich, as a man of much experience and uh, internationally renowned everywhere. In fact, aren't you off somewhere internationally soon? This evening, as a matter of fact. Really? Yes, quite suddenly I was asked to play the piano role in Chic for this Friday's show in Buenos Aires. Ah, Buenos Aires, nice. Tango City. Yeah. How long does it take to get there? You got a long flight? Apparently, we've got a pair of long flights. I mean, you know, adding up to a total of long flightness, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, what, is that a stadium gig? It's um, 
I, I don't exactly know because the pictures of the place look huge, but it's called Club Something or Other. So I don't, I mean, it's an outdoor venue. The pictures of the place look enormous, and I don't know what to expect. I'm really kind of confused by the use of the word club in the title of the place. Okay. The Stadium Club. No, it's not that. It's, it's uh, I think it's, it's Club Ciudad or something like that. I, I don't speak, I don't speak the language, so I don't know what it means. But um, I'm quite looking forward to it, and the uh, adventure in this one is that I'm playing the other keyboardist's part that I've been watching from across the stage for the last Oh, wow. Years. So you're not even back on kind of depth duty for your own? Oh, man. That's no, no. It's a completely different gig. Wow, that's random. the same band. <laughs> Jeez. It's a completely different gig, and it's uh, very exciting in that way. Well, then you're going to have uh, um, some good adrenaline sort of vibes in the next couple of days, I'd imagine. Well, I've been preparing. I, uh, yeah, the next couple, couple of days are travel and try to rest up. You know, because uh, the gig's Friday, and uh, we'll leave tonight. And, you know, it takes hours for me just to get to the airport, and you have to be there hours early. Sure. And there's oh, well, all of that stuff, yeah. flight and layover and another flight and find the hotel. And, you know, it, it, by the time it's all said and done, I've got half a day to enjoy the city. Yeah. That sounds familiar. <laughs> that's yeah, the tour yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, tour yeah, life, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Well, well at, least, at least you ain't gonna, at least you won't get yeah. kidnapped or anything because I mean you won't have time. No, it's so. great. <laughs> and don't mistake this for anything but gratitude. I mean, uh, it's really Fantastic. a great thing. It's um, really a great thing. John Van Eaton in the chat room says it's not Club Luna, is it? No. Um if you give me a second, I can figure this out. And uh, Dan I, Austin, I guess, uh, will say you'll love Argentina, Rich. Uh, I guess you should have a stake when in Argentina. Club Ciudad de Buenos Aires. Okay. De Buenos Aires. Oh, and Ciudad is city, isn't it? The city, the, the, the club the city. city of Buenos Aires. Yeah. Okay. I absolutely city loved Argentina. Did you? I thought it was brilliant. What shall I look forward to then? You should look forward to the native people of Argentina being incredibly friendly, generous, and kind, I oh, think. Great. great. Uh, when I was in Argentina, a chap in. Uh, a chap befriended me, said, would you like to come and see where I live? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. And would you like to come out to dinner? So he took uh, a few of us out to dinner. In fact, he, I mean, he befriended the crew. So he, and he took a handful of us out to dinner. And then he took us to his house to meet his grandmother, which wow. was really interesting, actually. Wow. So we got to see inside the lives of Argentinians, which almost never happens in any of the countries I've been to. So... Um, I can't remember his name or who he was even, but if, I mean, my gratitude to him, if I ever, you know, if he ever hears this maybe or anything oh, else. Oh, brilliant. Well, it's, it sounds good. like you're going to have a lot so of fun. You've got to have a steak, apparently, Rich, as well. Yeah, they say beef is uh, good beef, there. Beef is on the menu, generally. Lucky you're not a vegetarian, eh? I was once. Yeah, it would have been a tough gig then, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Nah, it's fine. Um, Being we- vegetarian is cool. But have a great trip, Rich. And um, that you. other voice you heard there was, in fact, uh, obviously Mark Tinley, who's also joining us from his uh, his studio basement thingy um, across the country. He's back in the UK, though, so we've jumped back across the Atlantic. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing okay. I couldn't contain myself any longer. I had to speak. Isn't that awful? <laughs> no, I think that's no, fine. No, it was great. It was great. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. You burst <laughs> forth. One. Yeah, bursting with enthusiasm for the, for this podcast. I've found out some things about the number one hundred and fifty. Have you? I found. A, yeah. I, I found. I found. I've got one fact. Can I say mine first? Yeah, go on then. Because it's quite funny, really. Because uh, basically, uh, cl- the classical music of eighteen fifty nine, which is one hundred and fifty years ago, um, there was quite a lot of Brahms and Liszt. <laughs> which, in fact, <laughs> I'll drink to that. Anybody, I'll drink to that too. I thought that might set you up, Dave. <laughs> Brahms and Liszt, of course, is a. Um, it's Cockney rhyming slam for uh, slang, slang, sl- Cockney rhyming, rhyming slang for pissed, which in the UK means a little bit tipsy. Yes, not irritated. Drunk. Yeah. Not irritated, which is what it is. Wait, 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 wait. The names of two classical composers indicate this? Yeah. yeah. I'm, yes. I was feeling a bit Brahms and List, Your Honour. 
<laughs> oh man, I'm gonna start using that. It's fantastic. So we're educational as well as uh... it's not just about music technology. In fact, it's very little to do with music technology this week, folks. But uh, you know, I'm raising my coffee to all of uh, that's now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> cheers, cheers. But we, I'd like to point out at this stage that we've actually only just opened the single bottle of champagne um, that Dave very kindly brought down for this the 150th episode. Well, see, I had a question about that. Uh-huh. Because if you say that the champagne was for acoustical purposes, and you say that last night you had two bottles, David. I, can un- I can understand where the first bottle was for acoustical purposes, but what was the second bottle about? <laughs> Sounds better after you've had one. I did low have pass filtering. Turns on the first <laughs> yeah, time. low pass filtering. <laughs> Confirming the findings of the first bottle, perhaps. <laughs> yes, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Reiteration. <laughs> So anyway, well, um, this is, like I said, it's kind of... I didn't of... tell you, though. Hang on. Oh, well, no, sorry. Yes, of course, Mark. Can't... Please do. 150 is the sum of eight consecutive primes. 7, 11, 13, 17, 19, 23, 29, and 31. Cool. And I also found out it's the last psalm in the Bible, and perhaps the one most often set to music, but I've never heard it. Amen. Indeed. <laughs> And, of course, Wikipedia is my source, and there's many other things on there. I, I, yeah, I couldn't find That's the only one I found that sort of seemed to be um, relevant to, the, as I thought the show might go. You know, so I actually got, I researched that fact, and I put it in on Monday. <laughs> it wasn't on the spur of the moment for today, so. Yeah, Howard Scar reminds me to back up. It's okay, Howard. Uh, we've got one recording here, and there's a constant red light on the other one, so it looks like we're covered at the moment. I would like to say um, there's, there's a few shout-outs here, really, because, um, first of all, thanks to all the listeners who've uh, helped us get to 150. Uh, but also, I wanted to say uh, a big hello to Robbie Ryan. And I'm just going to play uh, his little piece here, because he sent us in a clip. Hey, what's up, Sonic State? This is Robbie Ryan from the I Love Analog blog. We wanted to congratulate you on episode 150, and we look forward to many episodes to come of fun tech talk and banter. There we go. Thank you very oh, much, Robbie cool. Ryan. Robbie Ryan, incidentally, um, is like he's like a serial competition enterer. enterer. And he entered the Roland uh, How Do I Juno competition. He also entered the Artoria Origin 10-year anniversary competition, which he won. And he Yay! has won himself an Artoria Origin. And he said, he wrote me a really nice email saying that uh, basically uh, all of the stuff he, he needed to know about the Origin was in the review I did. So it made me feel kind of somehow <laughs> party to his, uh, you know, to his... <laughs> To his success, but I'm very happy for him. Oh, there's a moral in that, isn't there? And that is watch and read the reviews on Sonic Stage. Well, of course. I, I wasn't <laughs> going to be as crass as to point that out, but I'm very glad. Oh, but I can. You can, <laughs> because you, you, have a, you have a distance that, is, that means it's perfectly okay. Yeah, it's called autism. <laughs> <laughs> I love analog.blogspot.com is uh, if you want to go and see what he's up to. So anyway, that was kind of it for the um, hellos and welcomes. Um, there was um, another clip, which I think I could play. What was that? That was, uh... oh, the mastering engineer. Yeah, this is kind of amusing. I was here before. Ask him about mastering. Get me. Hello. It's nice to see you again. Safe like my production is killing it i has been reading their forums and that get me forums are sick great it's nice that you're progressing you get me man said i need pro mastering to make my tracks like even sicker you get me you get me though i hope it isn't rude for me to ask but i thought that your friend trevor was going to master your tracks for you yeah well like he booked me in for a session in his mastering suite but we had to cancel it at the last minute get me that's a shame. I'm sorry to hear that. In it. But you know, his mum wanted the laptop to go on Facebook. You get me? You get me. In it, blood. Yes. Okay. So. <laughs> and yeah. so on and so forth. I just. <laughs> I, I, I thoroughly enjoy that. It's basically. Uh, that There was two parts to this, and it was um, obviously the straight laced uh, mastering engineer who was trying to be straight, and this, this chap who's come in and wants some of his dope beats mastered. Uh, it wasn't so much the kind of scenario of that particularly, but it was more to do with the fact of, of being in one of those situations where there is a total mismatch of expectations between client and, uh, and service provider. Now, I'm sure we've all been there in some respect at some point in our uh, professional careers. Uh, I don't know who has the most um, 
who has, who's bursting the most would like to go first and tell us? And obviously, you can see, leave out the names to protect the innocent if you feel that you need to. But Dave, you look like you're about to jump in there. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. Go, Dave. Uh, no, uh, I had a studio. I ran a studio years and years ago with a partner. And we used to kind of do music. So a singer would kind of go, I've got this song. Would you write the track for me? And then I'll come in and sing over it. And it just happened to be these kind of two, they were they were strange guys. They wore sort of dungarees and no tops, and they were sort of bodybuilders. They used to do a lot of PAs in the sort of early 90s. Okay. And uh, they were exceptionally, exceptionally bad. And uh, <laughs> as, as, as the kind of track evolved, he kept going back to this sort of vocal backing track that he kept kind of, yeah, but it's really got to be around this. And the engineer guy, who was my partner, sort of said, well, you know, the thing is, the track's evolved, because it was pretty bad between uh, me, you, and the rest of the world. And But the track's evolved now, you know, so maybe we could, we could just kind of alter that a little bit, whereupon the guy burst into tears, punched his mate in the face, and went out and beat the <laughs> shit out of his car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, and these were two meltdown. kind of seriously muscle-bound guys, one of whom <laughs> is in tears, beating the crap out of this guy's car, while I was rolling around on the floor just laughing and staring locked in the overdub booth no doubt <laughs> it was unbelievable so yes expectation and results uh, yeah oh no that's terrible oh well I, I, well it's not that terrible but it's quite funny <laughs> no, they, somebody said right said fred it wasn't but they they really could have been very close right said fred i remember those they were muscly weren't they yeah they had a massive hit same concept i'm too sexy for my shirt <laughs> yeah for my pod- I'm too sexy for my podcast most of the time I tone it down when we broadcast obviously <laughs> PJ I, I've got a feeling that you're thinking back and chuckling on an episode or two in your professional life that's uh, had a similar there's been a similar mismatch of uh, expectations oh yeah I, I've thought of many um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I too have uh, you know run run studios with people and, and uh, well I can think of um, Let's see what what to tell what to tell. I remember one. Um, I was actually working in another studio, and I was brought in to create. Uh, there, okay, I should start this by saying that the Broadway musical Showboat was in town. One of the members of the chorus was told that he would make an excellent solo artist, but he sang just like a Broadway chorus singer. So uh, if you if you can picture that, he yeah. just he had a voice that blends with other voices in a very kind of dramatic and uh, tremulous way. Okay. And he wanted to become, and he was whiter than white, and he wanted to become some kind of uh, R&B diva. So these guys at a studio in Minneapolis asked me to come in and program a song based around a snatch of vocal melody that he had. So I came in there and I uh, listened to what he has, I start working on it, and literally 90 minutes later, we've got a fully produced track. Whoa. He goes in and spends, you know, the next four hours trying to get his vocals right. And at the end of the day, um, the engineer that was sort of, produ- you know, de facto producing the session and uh, the artist, we all sit down and, and uh, he starts discussing money. And I, and I said, okay, this is, you know, the, the engineer had already quoted him a day rate. And he he starts trying to talk me down. And I said, are you unhappy with the song? And he said, no, no, no. I I really love the way it turned out. He said, it's just that you're very slow. You don't work very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) You know, it's it's amazing, always amazing to me, people that are involved in, in music on even a you know, professional level seem to think that if a song is only three minutes long, it should only take you three minutes to... <laughs> to create a fully produced track. Ah, okay. One playthrough is enough. That's brilliant. Yep. Uh, THC in the chat room says, I did a radio ad, uh, misread something funky as something funny. I used a Hanna Barbera track. They wanted Jamiroquai. <laughs> <laughs> That's cracking, isn't it? <laughs> what a great word. <laughs> Superb. <laughs> Rich, I, I dare say you probably have to think carefully before you speak, but uh, do tell. Yeah, I, was, I was just thinking that any request from any client seems perfectly reasonable to me, and therefore there are no dashed expectations. Oh, oh you smooth. You smooth. <laughs> oh. 
So you, you do, you do realise you're playing brass in uh, Buenos Aires, don't you? Yeah, right. Well, I, you know, I was a brass miner in college. But, but that aside, um, well, it's not a question of dashed expectations, but there was a moment early on in my relationship with Nile Rodgers. Cue the flashback music. Okay, so it's 1989-88. We're doing a bunch, a series of commercials for Nike featuring basketball star David Robinson called Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. And we established quite a sort of brand with this commercial because they were all very similar in theme with differences in the, in the substance of them, but they started and ended pretty much the same. At, in one of them, there was a very long sweeping pan over a party table that had just had a birthday party, and it, the far end of the thing is the extremely large David Robinson waiting to deliver the next line. And the pan is rather severe, and it's really intended to accentuate the number of people that must have attended this party. And the producer, composer, that would be Mr. Rogers, said to me just prior to exiting the room, I want something that sounds like the end of the Beatles' day in the life, and left. <laughs> Excellent. I'll be back in 10 minutes. Yeah. So, you know, bump occurs when, you, when, the, when the pan stops on Robinson and he delivers his line. And, you know, everything that comes before it is what I can create. No. Um, oh, wow. No, it, actually, it actually worked out very well. Yeah. I'll- but but it, it, at, at the moment he said it, I thought to myself, this is crazy. Oh, Christ. What am I going to do now? Yeah. But there have been so many times, and it's almost famous in my relationship with him. It certainly is with him anyway, that um, he will suggest something that seems far-fetched to me at first that I will then proceed to produce for him. Yeah, well, sometimes, you know, that's the point, isn't it? You don't always think of the same thing, the things yourself, but you kind of, if somebody tells you to sort of have a go, then you, know, you, you can, if you see what I well, mean. Well, let's put it this way. It's reassuring that he's got such faith in me. Yeah, of course. I've got almost <laughs> the opposite story. The opposite, it's a complete twist on that. I was, I was doing a drum CD with a very, very famous drummer and I had to kind of chop up all the loops and all the rest of it. And he'd come up to my house every week and we would examine what was good and what wasn't. And in the end, it got so complex that actually the only way to wade through it was I labelled all the things that I thought were good blue yeah, and then all the things that I thought were bad red. So he came up and he said, Dave, many people have tried to analyse my drummings, uh, drumming over the year. Uh, over the years, and but I feel that we're on a complete wavelength because everything that you've marked red, I think, is brilliant. And everything that you've marked blue, I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, then yeah. I just agreed with him. Yeah. Oh well, fair enough. It's his name on it, I suppose, isn't it? Very good, Mark. I suspect there might be something that you have to add to this. Well. I, I'm really racking my brains, actually, and I'll tell you that I'm in very much the same position as Rich, and that is, I think I must be a yes man, actually, uh, without okay. really knowing. Here is me thinking I'm a wild, rebellious character, and actually, whenever anyone asks me to do anything in the studio, I pretty much achieved everything I've ever been asked to do, no matter how ridiculous. Yay! That's probably the good thing to do, though, isn't it? Rather than go, oh no, you're not, I'm not, are you sure? I don't think that can be done, you know, because if, especially um, if you're getting paid by the hour, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I, I'm not sure I didn't do it without a certain level of complaint. I probably turned around and went, yeah, right, <laughs> and then <laughs> sat down anyway. and then went, okay, let's see how we can achieve this. So, I mean, that's kind of my my methodology. But it's and the same. You know Sometimes other people's creative input can be right yeah so just, well, of course of course oh I mean, most definitely most definitely yeah and it's, it's, it's our job to facilitate their creative process ultimately yes, yes it, but it is. must be in that situation sometimes when you're doing something you just think this is just such a waste of time oh, that happens all the time <laughs> in which case oh, sure, sabotage. Sure. sometimes it is and sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's not oh there's this terrible glitch on the recording i can't get rid of it <laughs> you know when you're doing something on a tight schedule for video and radio sometimes it's there's that moment of crisis where you've been given a lot of loose language. A new client approaches you, you know, based on what you've done in the past for other people, they approach you and they have an expectation of what it is that they want to see the end, you know, what they want to hear in the end result or see in the, in the end result. And you're trying to establish 
a sort of creative rapport with them, a, you know, a, a common language, which I'm sure we've all had to do with clients. And you're trying to do it on, on a timeline, you know, that is microseconds long. And that, that's always a bit nerve wracking because yeah. you, you, you know, you might have to turn around and, and completely rethink something in the middle of the night because it has to be done by eight, eight o'clock in the morning and it's not exactly what a client wants. Yeah. So, I mean, you might steer the direction to begin with to make that inevitability sort of easier when it happens, I suppose. You attempt to do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've been guilty of delivering something which was completely not what the client wanted. That <laughs> I've was done quite that too. Good fun. <laughs> and then um, spent hours talking somebody them was, around. Somebody was just off, you know, asking me to suggest things for a song. They weren't specifically giving me a task which was so complex it seemed ridiculous. The, the complex, ridiculous ones are the ones I'm good at. When somebody wants vague input, I think that's when I probably don't know. I probably need clear direction. Right, okay. However ridiculous. I'm... Well, thank you very much for those those insights. It's an interesting topic. And, you know, the, the, the whole process of creativity and what people's expectations are, particularly if they're coming into the studio or whatever and they don't realise what you can do or they're they think you can do anything, you know, like for instance, what Melodyne DNA can do, but 10 years ago, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a, yes, rich, rich C in the chat room, manage expectations tactfully. That's the way I put it. At which point I think it's time for an ad. Um, and, and this is in no way connected with the previous topic. Uh, it's just that, uh, this is about the time that we should do one. And we'd like to welcome back Yamaha.co.uk who have very kindly jumped in and, uh, Decided to continue supporting the podcast. I know they've been away for a little while, but uh, I, I think now is a good time for them to rejoin us. So uh, we're going to tell you a little bit about what they've got to offer. Um, they've got a, a monthly podcast which covers all aspects of music performance, creation and production. It's got interviews with key artists, latest product news, competitions, tutorials. You know, they've got basically something for everybody. They're not really kind of Yamaha uh, fests. And they are, I've heard them before. They're really quite good, actually. Uh, this month's Yamaha Download podcast can be downloaded at yamahadownload.co.uk. It's focused on pro- professional synthesizers this month, and it covers the new S90SX, talking with Sean Barry from Girls Aloud, which is a big UK pop act, uh, on, the, on how they're using it touring on their recent Wembley gig. Uh, and also, Hannah Versouth talks about her experiences with the Motif, Motif and Jamie Cullum about his new, new album. Jamie Cullum is a pretty big kind of, I guess, what would you call him? He's a sort of, he was, he wasn't, he was like a young pro, jazz prodigy, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. he, I think he comes from mm-hmm. Bath, actually. We went to college in Bath, learned music in Bath. Uh, fact finders. Anyway, each month focuses on different areas of music, so there's something in there for everybody. They also do uh, a monthly eShot newsletter, which is called the Yamaha Roundup, uh, which gives you uh, up-and-coming tour dates, hints and tips, artist news, and all important product info, especially pre-trade show, where you can often get the scoop on the uh, on the upcoming products before anybody else gets them. In fact, that's where we get some of our pre-briefing, so uh, I can thoroughly recommend that. Anyway, if you want to go and find out more about that, the, probably the easiest way is you head over to sonicstate.com forward slash Yamaha. There's a little page there with the link on and a bit description and a kind of thank you to Yamaha for sponsoring the show so uh, and also it helps us track you know helps them track where we've come where how many people we've sent over so if you do go over and and check it out sonicstate.com forward slash Yamaha please do try the podcast out and also check out the newsletter and uh, we thank them once again for joining us in a sponsorship kind of way Right, uh, and I know that someone from Yamaha is listening today, and don't worry, I'm going to edit that so it comes across much more smoothly. Oh, As yeah. I mentioned earlier, <laughs> I listened to one of their podcasts. And were, it was great. All of a sudden, my name was mentioned. Really? How bizarre was that? They were talking to no, they were talking to this keyboard player, and he said, "Oh yeah, I use, and I know Dave, and I, I'm able to call him up for any technical technical support." I was like, "Wow, trippy." Oh, yeah, I got an email from a chap called Tracy Evans, uh, who's got a great blog, actually, um, and, and podcast called uh, filmmaker1.com. Uh, and he was um, bemoaning the uh, the fact that the uh, the Korg Zero Eight, which was their kind of digital, I think it's their only foray into digital mixing, it was kind of cool, eight stereo channels, all fully programmable with a kind of chaosolator or chaos pad type touchpad screen, Firewire AO and uh, MIDI uh, control surface. Uh, apparently it's been discontinued and it's like two years after its l- release. And um, he was wondering, uh, well, firstly, he said he enjoys the podcast, enjoys all our guests and everything, but then he was just wondered whether we might have any thoughts on this. Uh, but I did get a message from Korg saying that uh, in the US they're ceasing it. I don't know about other territories. They may still be continuing sales of it in other territories. So if that clears it up for you, uh, Tracy. Otherwise, um, it raised the question of, 
does anybody uh why do you discontinue things and what's the saddest and perhaps most short-sighted act product that anyone can think of uh and um dave's looking like he probably needs a bit of time to think but i wonder whether anybody else rich i'd imagine you might have been through a whole bunch of gear and maybe um there's things that you would perhaps like to see still being made so that uh you know you can get older than when they wear out or you know why why did they go in the first place have you got any thoughts on the matter i want a doctor click Oh, God, yeah. Oh, what was that? Was that a metro? Is that like a fancy metronome? That was a drum it phone, was it? the, well, it was uh, a synchronization device based around the original FSK tone sync. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That would allow you to take triggered control voltages at any kind of rhythm you wanted from one every four measures to 64th note triplets and everything in between infinitely variable shaping and amplitude of this control voltage signal that would then fire out the back of the thing and allow you to control other devices with it. Ah. And, there were, and there was not one but two of these in there. Separate oh, so control use- voltage generators that had each all of their complete set of parameters, including what rhythm they were jumping to and all, everything else. And it was just a magnificent product. Furthermore, I used it to count clock pulses into my memory Moog sequencer, which thought it was in real time. And at 96 per quarter note, I was step programming that sequencer using the Dr. Click to count clock pulses into it. So if you're asking me for a piece of gear that I'm nostalgic about and wouldn't mind owning one of, if only because of its historical significance to my Uh own life, that would be it. Sounds like you were kind of way ahead of the curve there. Well, Dan Garfield was pretty impressed. I talked to him on the phone once, and he, he said very nice things to me, as did the guy who wrote the sequencer software for the Moog, who couldn't figure out why it was dropping the first two clocks of every sequence, mm, but God. was fascinated that I had found this out. <laughs> well, that sounds like a really, really... Isn't it the sort of thing that somebody like Dopefer would make now? I mean, it sounds like one of those kind of boutique synth manufacturers. It's could- actually kind of easy to do now. Almost yeah, everybody I mean, just- triggers things in rhythm with your existing music now, but back then... It was a big deal. If you want, you there was really no great way to generate, for example, that I knew of, a consistently dis- identical and descending flange on the downbeat of each measure, or every twice a measure, or four times a measure, or whatever, you know. I and so, so I could use this thing as a control voltage input to my flanger to make it do that. Oh wow! Just for example, I also used to change the pitch of the tongues, toms, and the congas. I wonder if you could do something like that with Volta now. The Moji Volta. I suppose you could using a combination of the triggering technologies in most host DAWs and the fact that it kicks out waveforms like that. So yeah, I guess I suppose it kind of would be like that. Mm, interesting, but, but I mean, obviously, having it in a, s- a single dedicated unit is you can't really beat that. Something. There's loads of stuff in the chat room. Tandorian says uh, Tandorian says NS10Ms. Look, I, I suppose I've got a pair somewhere. They're on the floor down there, but. The- and discontinued uh, quickly are they no aren't they discontinued ns10ms they were around forever though weren't they oh no not quickly i mean ah. they just have been discontinued uh, there's tons hartman memory moog whatever loads of stuff i oh, know um, um dave called monopoly the there over in the corner that wasn't around for very long was it no it was discontinued very quickly yeah i'm glad i snapped one up uh why are things discontinued normally because they're superseded with something else which is either well, yeah, cheaper or yeah. better spec. I mean, that's really the But, you know, so, so often the design process, you know, you'll end up with something that's supposedly better, but actually, you know, it's so many people just kind of go, wait a minute, you missed the most important thing, you know, for me, that made it worth having. And that's just kind of annoying, isn't it? Yeah, but in the old days, there was no real way of anyone finding that out. Now you've got forums. Yeah, I suppose so. In the old days, it was like, oh, damn, I've lost that piece of kit. Right. I suppose that's very true, unless you wrote letters saying, Dear Sir, I just wanted to let you know how I'm using this and why I find it so useful. I mean, you just generally don't write those kind of things, do you? It's amazing, really, because with the Monopoly, that wasn't um, a particularly highly regarded synth when it came out. I've got a review of it from, uh, in fact, Vince Clark wrote the review, and it was quite scathing. How Whereas dare actually, he? it's gone on to become a kind of real, a genuine classic. How dare he say that? It's one of my favourite But in effect, you know, maybe four or five or six reviews. I wouldn't say killed it, but certainly put a few nails in the coffin. Whereas now, obviously, it's open to the, everybody. That's the thing, seriously, Dave. With uh, responsibility comes awesome power. With, uh, with power becomes, oh, whichever way around it goes. <laughs> Another glass of champagne? Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, PJ, what do you think? <clears throat> well... 
I think one of the reasons why some things become discontinued is because they, they are bought by either Gibson or Tascam. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Insert disclaimer here. <laughs> yeah, I'll take full responsibility for that. But um, I'm, I was thinking of Opcode Studio Vision. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, I, I learned, um, I didn't learn to sequence on that program, but that was my first experience with a computer-based sequencer, was Opcode op Vision, and uh, used that sequencer for a long, long time, and I miss it. Although, in fairness, I think Gibson probably did us a favor in the long run by getting rid of OMS. Oh yeah, that was ah uh, yeah mess, yeah, wasn't it? most definitely, most definitely. I've still got one of those. I've got oh, no, my, I've got it was them. horrible. Wasn't they it? used to make MIDI interfaces as well, didn't they? Because that was yep. the thing. You had this opcode, this OMS layer over everything, and opcode didn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they weren't yeah. making any hardware. They, they, this bloody annoying piece of software that just could easily it used to trash preferences all the time, didn't it? Constantly, oh, yeah. horrible. <laughs> Dave, thank yep. you so much for reminding me. That's that's obsolescence that we can do with, I suppose. <laughs> That's also the litigation out of the way. Yeah, that's well, right. Well, that's another topic, isn't it? <laughs> Gear you're gl- you hope you never have to see again. Yeah, oh! that's that as well. <laughs> and black-faced so- ADATs, black-faced oh, ADATs. Oh, God, yeah. Want to see faced oh, Well, funnily enough, I had... Uh, well, no, Mark, would you like to go next? Because I know you've I had... I would, experience. actually, yeah. Please do. I think the Yamaha QY20. Oh, yeah, mm. I know you like that, don't you? I love it, and I've still got one. That but sane the reason the why it was brilliant and the reason why whatever the thing they brought out next, which I think might have been a QY22, but I'm not quite sure, is because the QY20's battery life was about 40 hours. So you could sit on a plane with it for a whole flight and then another plane and you know not worry about having to change the batteries, put your headphones on, switch it on and off, and just write stuff in it and right. just make music with it. And the sound set was basic. The sequencer was basic, but you could do it anywhere. So if you had a musical idea, you just pop it into this thing. And there wasn't really, I mean, computers hadn't quite got to the stage where you could do that reliably at that point. No, sure. And then they brought out the subsequent model and they added digital reverb and digital chorus, I think, to it. And the battery life went from about 40 hours down to about three hours. So if you got <laughs> a flight to LA, that was it. You'd have to take tons of batteries with you. Which or, you weren't allowed to take on the plane. Yeah, exactly. It would just die. So um, QY20, definitely. And they oh. definitely made a mistake by just adding simply reverb. and Because it wasn't really much different, the subsequent model. It looked the same. It had the same screen and the same input buttons and everything. It just had a digital effects chip in it which yeah. ate the batteries uh, matt and c says your iphone can probably do that now my iphone will do that's that. that's true now, but yeah. i'm going to drink to the qy10 and the qy20 because first of all it kept <laughs> me sane on many a tour i could disappear into the back of the bus and no one would bug me and secondly of course don't forget that little remote control keyboard was what started novation Oh yeah, that's true. Um, I've got one of those. In fact, we got one in the in the storeroom. I've got QY10 because I remember I and I went to when we start. We were off doing our promo tours to do you know the DNA stuff. I bought a QY10, which I've still got somewhere, and uh, a, a Roland PC100 keyboard. And I remember trying to carry my carry on luggage and everything, and one of those bloody key. I carried it all around <laughs> Europe, and I never. I don't think I ever switched it on once. <laughs> Because I've got this thing, it was too big. If, obviously, if I'd sat there on a plane, I would have it was sort of shoved the person's next to me minimal off their seat. <laughs> it was a complete waste of time. But the QI, yeah, I never got into the QI10 because it was um, much more steppy, wasn't it? Than um, mm. no, but- I couldn't get into the QI10. My brother had a QI10, and if you listen to some of the, uh, the not the NRG album, but I think it's the album after that. For some reason, he used to like transpose things to about three octaves outside their range and used to get these really weird quantization and digital kind of squeals and squeaks and things out of it. And I just had picked up the QY10 and thought, wow, this is rubbish. It's got like a really flimsy general MIDI sound set and it doesn't do anything. And the next thing, he's like tampering with it and making these incredible sort of roboty digital sort of noises, glitchy kind of sounds and i was just like oh okay 
that does sound interesting. Yeah, uh, John Van Eaton says uh, he had a Q. He has a QI10. It was in box since 1995. He found it this month, and the batteries were still working, and it had all his 1994 Super. programming in it. Uh, that's cool. a testament. So to- plug a keyboard into it and take it a few octaves above its normal range and see what you get at the top end of the piano because wow. it's really cool. Interesting, interesting stuff. And how he's saying about the SU10. I remember seeing Bjork using one of those. That was pretty. Was awesome. that like a little drum thing? That was a sampler with the oh, little ribbon. Gosh, yeah. Great, great little tool. Brilliant. Well, there's plenty there, isn't there? Yeah. Nice. Next week, the ones you don't ever want to see again. Yeah, maybe Somebody we should... saying SU10. That was a sampler. Yeah, was, that was yeah. a sampler. I quite liked that, actually. Yeah, I, I, great. I think I think at this point, it's probably... If we get the other ad in, then I can tell you what I've been up to this week oh, as yeah. well. Go on, then. So, uh, let's have a look. Oh, yes, of course. How can I forget? Loopmasters.com. Loopmasters, number one website and sample CD distributor dedicated to bringing you the most inspirational collections of royalty-free sounds and samples from some of the top producers worldwide. They've got all sorts of formats, WAV, ACID, REX2, Reason Real Fit, Refill, As- Apple Loops. Uh, they even do some multi-track stuff, which is actually really cool. So you can get a whole session of like a drum a drum and bass player or a drum percussionist and kind of cut them up. And it, that, That's a really cool idea as well. And we've got a couple of new downloads for you this week. Uh, I've got some sounds from the Circuit Bent Sounds Volume 2 uh, by Paul Norris of circuitbenders.co.uk. And we've also got Global Beatworks Volume 2, which is, features the drumming expertise of Matt Master Drummer Simon Webster, and recorded by his long-term friend and notable engineer, proje- producer Ike Nossel. And there, if you send an email to freestuff at sonicstate.com, uh, we'll send out an email with some uh, some links in it, which will allow you to access those, and also gives you the opportunity to join their mailing list, which uh, I obviously appreciate if you did, because it keeps them paying the bills and all that sort of thing. But uh, it's entirely up to you, of course. Um, so freestuff at sonicstate.com, if you want to check out uh, the, f- the free stuff that we've got. Uh, is, is, we try and make it different every week, because they've got a lot of stuff coming out every week but failing that get over to loopmasters.com um, check out what they've got on sign up for the newsletter do all those things and while you're at it check out looptv.net which is their sort of video podcast resource looks at uh, current DJ and club industry from the producer's viewpoint there's all sorts of interviews and technique and um, behind the scenes studio stuff so check out looptv.net loopmasters.com and email free stuff at sonicstate.com if you want to get hold of the loops okay um so right. what have you been up to? <laughs> I'm glad you asked, Dave. <laughs> well, funnily enough, uh, apart from, uh, you know, I think I said last week that I was going to see Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. I took my daughter to that and the Lloyd Webber um, experience. And I, I must admit, when I was watching it, it was, it was one of those experiences when I just thought, oh, God, I was, really wasn't looking forward to it. And when I was watching it, to begin with, I didn't really enjoy it. Uh, I took two six-year-old girls and they loved it, but they kept on jumping out and going, he's wearing a dress and, and laughing and stuff, which sort of made it more funny for me. But um, I didn't realize this because they did the show and there's what, 10, 12 songs in it or however many. I mean, there's no acting. It's all song after song after song after song. And at the end, what happens is um, because it was originally written as a little operetta for kids to sing at school, which is why it's loads of songs and there's no, there's no dialogue. They just go into a sort of house, um, version, mega mix version, and redo, and then they play all the songs over and over again. So right at the beginning, you get the introduction where they play uh, what the overture, where they play sections from all the songs, but no singing. Then halfway through, all the kids in the kids choir sing sections from all the songs over and over again. Then at the end, you get this kind of mega mix, and it's uh, they, and the reason is because the whole show when it was written was only twenty minutes long, <laughs> and they got to string it out to an hour and twenty or whatever it was. So anyway, that so I, I was totally immersed in uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, but I was watching a guy on the desk, and I, I swear at the end that the main star, uh, who was uh, see, I did write it down somewhere, Craig Chalmers, who was a, a lad who won the um, Any Dream Will Do BBC Talent or ITV Talent competition to be in Joseph, was Joseph, and I noticed, I thought he didn't look like he was singing the last couple of songs. And I was thinking, well, what's going on there? So I went over and had a look at the desk and it was a big Yamaha PMD five, you know, lovely digital desk. And they had a playback recorder. And I reckon what they do is they must, cause it was a matinee performance. I reckon they must play back some of the songs that are perhaps a bit taxing so that he can save his voice for the afternoon, the evening performance. And I don't know whether anybody else had had any experience of working on musicals. I, I guess PJ, you might've done and rich, you might've done. I don't know. Would, would you say that was likely? Um, I had recently the great privilege to go see Mama Mia on Broadway uh, as a guest of the assistant musical director who um, I got to become friends with. And uh, in addition to the fact that I enjoyed it thoroughly, I was invited backstage where I discovered that 
they have a whole series of vocal booths, each with six to eight sets of headphones in them, and that the cast is back there whenever they're not on stage singing live. Oh, really? Doing supporting and adding to the chorus? Yes, yes. So, and it's and it's a magnificent kind of rig. The way they've got it set up, it's really cool. And uh, I ha- I should say that it's very possible that the guy you were looking at was not singing it, and it's somewhat possible that it was recorded. But more than likely, if he wasn't singing, there was somebody else there who was. Who could see what was going on on stage? They also had video monitors in each booth so that the singers backstage could see what was taking place on stage. No wonder the tickets were so bloody expensive. (laughs) (laughs) And and then the pit orchestra was very interesting and and to learn what they were. They were all basically using Logic or main stage down there. And there was, I don't know, five or six guys down there, plus the uh, conductor who was my buddy. And uh, it was really uh, a very eye-opening experience for me, very enjoyable. And so, based on my experience, it's very possible that uh, those vocals weren't coming off of him at certain times. Although, it seems to me you'd probably be able to tell. I did. Well, I, 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 I wasn't really thinking about looking. And then I just saw something slip, and I thought, that didn't look right. And so I watched him really closely. And, uh, and it was very hard to tell after that. So, I mean, whether he slipped and thought, shit, I better concentrate a bit more carefully and make sure my sink is in or whatever, because you would notice that sort of thing, wouldn't you? I mean, lip sync's very, very, it's sort of instinctive. You instinctively know when something's wrong, even if you're not, you know, necessarily, you know, tuned to that kind of thing. I think that that's also, there's also union rules about how much you can use i think in pre-recorded and i'm not really that oh okay yeah yeah yeah. that makes sense but but i mean along with the union rules that dictate you have to have a certain minimum number of guys in the pit and you can only do so many i don't know there's there's rules about this that kind of descended from the idea that we're replacing the pit orchestra and so um i don't think i don't know if it can be recorded but i'm not sure it's logistically right to do anyway yeah shows vary you know from night to night yeah, of course. I mean, and also, you've got to take care of their voices, particularly if they're doing a matinee and an evening performance, I would guess. But yeah, yeah. it was it was just, a, it, it was interesting. But it you know, so I did get some kind of a joy out of it, just from a sort of philosophical point of view. But uh, to be honest, I've been, they've been stuck in my head all bloody week, those songs. <laughs> I find myself <laughs> humming and singing, and I, I didn't even think they were any good. That's what's so annoying, you know, I don't like them. <laughs> I knew you'd come away interested in the production, though. I knew that. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you knew that I was going to enjoy it to some degree. Anyway, my daughter enjoyed it, and uh, so did her friend. So uh, that was jolly nice. Um, ooh, what else could we do? Uh, Wilson and Gershwin. What do you think about that? This is the news that Bryant Wilson has reached an agreement with Disney Records and the estate of George Gershwin to let Wilson complete and record the unfinished songs of George Gershwin. Uh, Gershwin left a collection of several dozen song fragments which have been sitting around largely untouched for more than seven decades. And I thought I'd have a go at this, actually, because I've, uh, I've got Rhapsody in Blue. I'll start playing it now. And I've got a couple of ideas that I think Brian could explore. <laughs> Perhaps not that one. I've got a better idea. Hold on, how about this one? That's really good. It's a hit. I think I, I, I reckon Mash I could up. get. Do you think I should get some co-writing? Up sensation of 2010. I think Mash Lloyd Webber. I, I, I mean, but seriously, what the? F- what? What? I mean, what Brian. Brian, bless him. I mean, he's got one of the biggest brands there is in kind of popular music. But I wouldn't say his best years are with him. Uh, <laughs> and I, because I, I did a remix of Ryuichi Sakamoto, "We Love You," which uh, had a trio of backing vocalists. Robert Wyatt, Brian Wilson, and Ryuichi Sakamoto. None of which who are, well, they weren't at their singing peak. Robert Wyatt's got a very characterful voice. Can you imagine Brian Wilson and Robin Wyatt singing high harmonies together in their sort of <laughs> wavering sort of style? It was, and at that point, the, the illusion, we, because we partly took this, the job on because um, Doug, my partner at the time, uh, music in DNA, really loved Brian Wilson, massive fan of Beach Boys. 
And we got this thing, we put the faders up, and it came, I, honestly, it came on, I don't know, five two-inch masters. It was like 128 tracks. It was totally excessive. And um, and then we pushed up the Brian Wilson and the, the Robert White faders, and it was it was like a sort of, you could hear this dream shattering in inside <laughs> my, my part of the head. It was just like, it just sort of went away, and it was like, I, felt, I really felt for him, because I wasn't into the Beach Boys at that time, although I now realise what massively groundbreaking they were at the time, you know, incredible p- p- pushing the music production, and Brian Wilson was an absolute genius, you know, for the time. But I'm not sure that that's sort of carried with him over the last maybe 10, 20 years, 30 years or whatever. And, and it just seems like such a bizarre and weird and almost twisted thing to uh, suggest that he should start writing for, with George Gershwin. Anyone kind of can think of anything? I mean, does this thing happen very often? I suppose Tupac and Biggie and Sh- Tupac Shaker and Biggie Smalls had a lot of their stuff finished after the fact, but I mean, it's not quite the same league, is it? <laughs> I'm just sort of stunned by it. How, how much further away from George Gershwin can you get and well, I guess you could move forward about thirty years and get further away. But but uh, based on what I last saw from Brian Wilson when I saw him perform in Mantra a few years ago, um, I don't hold out such tremendously high hopes. I'm trying to figure out how they got the estate to agree to this. Because of all the people you could yeah. choose, you know what? You want to hand it to Herbie Hancock? It's one thing, or you want to hand it to you know. Uh, Billy Taylor, even if you want to go for the more uh, conservatoire kind of vibe, or yeah. but but you know it's almost like they handed it to Eddie Vedder <laughs> or Iggy Pop, yeah, right. But, isn't it weird? Isn't it weird, PJ? I mean, I mean, you know, what's going on? Uh, I'm I'm dumbfounded. I have I have no idea. I <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just, I just don't know who what who is sniffing what and. <laughs> What, Gershwin what and Ozzy Osbourne. That's a good call. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Lady Gaga and George Gershwin. Yeah, Van, that's a good one. Get Vangelis yeah. to fit, finish off Michael Jackson's stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe. Hey, but the funny thing is, Rich, when you get back from Buenos Aires, yeah. I have it on good authority that Niall's going to be producing. <laughs> and that's going to be your next gig. No, and that, everything that they say will be genius. <laughs> and honestly, I will work my butt off, Brahms and Wilson, get it right. Absolutely, after I, and then I'll go out, and then I'll go out for some Chopin and List or whatever you call Brahms that. and List. <laughs> Mark, Brahms can you think list. of anything further from the the realms of reality? It does seem a little bit. Um... I did watch a whole thing about Brian Wilson on. The television, actually. And it doesn't really fit, does it? It's not really there, is it? And I, 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 I'm not familiar with a lot of his stuff, but I was kind of going on Spotify looking for Brian Wilson stuff, and there was a load of stuff that was remastered and what have you. And I'm not sure what his current stuff like, but it didn't sound that much different to... Well, it was one of them was this, which I'll play again. It was just that, you know, with kind of swoopy... Yeah. Billy G. Not by love. <laughs> the impression I got was that Brian Wilson went a bit mental and hid under the bed for 20 years. Yeah. And then he came out from underneath the bed and just sort of carried on working on the album he'd been working on 20 years ago. I think that's about right. It was his assistant. And then just, he just sort of finished off something that he hadn't finished off when he crawled under the bed. <laughs> Rich is off. Go, Rich. <laughs> Just a girl who thinks I am the one. You started your warm up for the gig. Is this? Are you doing backing vocals as well? Let him go a cappella. There'll be remixes all week long. I'm sure. I am. (laughs) There is actually a TV program coming on in the UK, which is Dance Like Michael Jackson. So maybe we'll have Sing Like Michael Jackson as a sequel. Ah, Have you seen that Sega game, the Michael Jackson game that's all over YouTube at the moment? It's going to be a dodgy joke. We should leave this alone. There's lots of active lawyers on this kind of stuff. What? (laughs) Is it fake? I don't know. I'm just getting a bit nervous. Well, you have to go, go on YouTube and just type in Sega Moonwalker and you'll find a whole load of videos of what is supposed to be a real game. And if you download the Sega ROM to play it on your computer and the same Sega game emulator, then you can go and find the game and it gives you instructions on where to go and how to find it. And it looks fairly legitimate. Mm, okay. I heard that uh, Fat Boy Slim is going to finish up some unfinished uh, Bach fugues. 
Rocky. <laughs> I think that, now that would work. I think that I could see that. that. Using that computer voice from the video about mastering that was reading all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, why not? In fact, I think we should hook that guy up with the guy who narrates the opening of Mark's podcast. Ah! Sorry. Oh, sorry, what was that? That sounded like... Um... <laughs> that was the beginning of the game. Look, I'll send a link to it. Okay, all right, thank you. At the moment, I'm having a gas problem. <laughs> All these bubbles are starting to re-emerge. <laughs> Dave, Dave's been... Um, d- so while, just, just a quick interlude. Dave, you keep waving that cup. What's on that piece of Oh, this is got? quite trippy. So I've been in Bath for two days, and I've done the rounds of all the shoe shops. And uh, at the end, in the kind of desperate bid to sort of do some man things, I walk, we walked past this Apple store yeah. in Bath. And I went, oh, computers and things. Can I go in? She yeah, kind fix. of granted me sort of five minutes and even came in with me, which was kind of odd. And uh, they're doing a deal on MacBook Pros, and I'm chatting away to the guy, and I just mentioned that we develop. I had got, got a company that develops for, uh, you know, Macs and stuff, and he kind of looks at me and kind of goes, oh, what's the name of the company? And I go, GeForce. And he goes, oh, yeah, I know the GeForce stuff all the time. You're not, you're not Dave Spears, are you? And I go, uh, yes, thinking he's obviously got a tech support issue. And uh, he says, I listen to Sonic State podcast all the time. So here's a <laughs> shout-out to Paul Hale. From hey, Paul. hello, Paul. Yay, I'll be expecting Paul. some kind of discount next time I come in, if that's at all possible. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> I, know it's, I know it's not for you to give, but uh, I've got to ask, haven't you? Yes. I won't tell you what he said no, next. But. No Steve Job tax for you. No, actually, my, uh, I bought my MacBook Pro from them, and... Um, it, uh, all they, you know, they. I ordered it through them. Uh, I've got to take it in next week because uh, uh, the video's going. The hinge is gone, and I think the ribbon connector between it and the screen. So if you don't open the, the door right, you get this kind of really horrible kind of interference on the screen, and it's uh, it's one of those ribbon con- um, connector things. So I'm going to take it in while I'm on holiday. But yeah, there's no. It seems that everybody Dave meets listens to the show. It's bizarre. I, I, it's never even happened in to your me. town, even in my town. You know, I I, I don't know. I've never. Uh, anyway, that's. So great. Big shout out to any Apple Store listeners out there. If you could see to it that we get to the number one slot on iTunes for, you know, a day or so, that would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Um, Beats by Dr. Dre. Did anyone get a chance to listen to this or did I? Or yeah. Did I, I sent this. Yeah. This is uh, an interesting concept. I don't think I sent it out to anybody else. So it'll just be me and you, Rich. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll. No, I think you did. I think you did. So. Oh, did yeah, I? I got that. Oh, okay. Well, I'll pl- I didn't see that. Let me play the. Uh, Computer companies are not building these laptops for sound. It's the bottom of their list. Color is more important. Size is more important. You know, agility is more important. Everything is more important than sound. This is an incredible opportunity to start to start the ball rolling, an education process. Because first of all, what we have to do is we have to educate the listener, that there is something better out there. I think the reason why we got to this point where we've ignored and bypassed the low quality MP3 is because it was a different experience. The experience with MP3s was how convenient it was to share music. And now that we have all the technology to send music, you know, via phone and computers, great, we got it, it's cool. Now we gotta get back to it sounding good. This is what Beats by Dre is about. There we go. Beats by Dre. It's actually, uh, it's, it seemed, I mean, on the face of it, I looked at it and I was being really cynical and just thought, oh God, it's just another excuse to, uh, to sell a load of crap really. But when you listen to that, that was, uh, what was his name? I'm just trying to think that was Jimmy Iovine, who's head of Interscope records. And I think will, I am, who's also involved in the project. I noticed, uh, Dre himself was not actually anywhere to be seen, although he did um, have a little paragraph on the website with a signature. And if you look, his, his signature is Dr. Dre, and the two Ds uh, are, are shaped like, um, I think they're supposed to be shaped like a, a woman's breasts, <laughs> but in fact, they look like um, two penises to me. But anyway, I'm sure that's not what he intended it to be. <laughs> Hello. But anyway, so uh, that, that's bizarre. that's got nothing to do with anything. Like but young Jungian Freudian connection. It could be. But yeah, uh, I don't know how they forgot to mention that in the marketing. Yeah, I don't know why. Do you think they'll have that actually that'd be really cool if they put that on the laptop? 
That's what I'm talking about. Can I express my extremely cynical view of this marketing scheme? Yes, please. Yes, go the on. Notion that, the notion that this computer is any more geared towards sound than my MacBook is is just preposterous. It's just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo to try to attract PC users who are into dance music to feel more secure that their music software is going to run well on this thing than somebody else's PC. Yeah. Done. Done. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, well, I, I did wonder that. And but, I suspect that what Jimmy Iovine knows about the audio within in various computers could be written on the head of a pen with a Sharpie. <clears throat> and I'd just like to interject that Gibson and Tascam shelf good software. <laughs> okay. Let's, is there any, any, any other litigious statements anyone wants to get in? Well, like, obviously, I'll just edit out the entire section and we'll forget this topic ever happened. Brilliant. Well, really? <laughs> no. Stop, uh, Dave. Stop yourself. What about Adobe Photoshop on the iPhone? Uh, really? Yeah, is there for yeah, real? Free why? As well. Why? Oh. Photoshop. What can you I do? I don't know with? why. I just thought I'd throw that in. Wow! Indeed. <laughs> okay, sorry. Because <laughs> we've been through the whole podcast and we haven't taken a sharp left turn yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I, no. But I was thinking just just for those who are interested, this thing is out. It's called the HP Envy Beats 15. Uh, it's October the 22nd. It's out. It's supposed to coincide with Windows 7. It's 2300 bucks, But before you kind of go, that's rubbish, it's actually got a quad-core in it, and it's got quite a lot of high specification. I mean, I, I agree with you, Rich. I wonder very much whether or not the sound card part will uh, actually have uh, been improved with the engine, even though they say they've been working with the engineers of HP. Uh, it'd be great if they were. But what you do get is you get a pair of um, Dr. Dre headphones, <laughs> which oh, obviously make things sound right. great. Which I've seen wow. in in shops right. and they're made by monster cable i believe oh no really well yes. they're, they're more litigious than gibson they're brilliant i've got <laughs> don't say anything do you want to tell Stop. me <laughs> now, i can tell you a oh, non-litigious got... story oh, go on then yeah. don't forget we were going to call the mini monster mini monster <laughs> <laughs> that can go out live but it shouldn't go in the cast. okay so there you go. There's another reason why you should listen to the uh, live stream because uh, if those of you who listen to the edited one will have missed that uh, amazing anecdote from dave but there you go but those of you listening to it live will know what we're talking about so you think basically it's uh, bs and uh, shouldn't be I, I mean i'd personally i would like a quad core laptop if mac made one or if i could get os 10 to run under it i would i'd be there like a shot i need more power <laughs> As I say that, my eye, the whites of my eyes are large. I'm, I'm grip, gripping the table. Yeah, the lights the are lights dimmed. dimmed. That's right. An up light in my I face. I thought I heard a lightning bolt off in the distance. I think his hair stood up on end, and the lights dimmed. And that's right. All of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> my one hair stood up on end too. <laughs> Actually, I've only got a couple. Yes, I know. <laughs> well, um, I suppose with that Dr. Dre nonsense, uh, we should probably consider the podcast uh, formally over, uh, which is probably good because uh, if it carries on much longer, I can see we'll, I'll probably spend the rest of the week in court rather than being usefully and gainfully employed doing things for... I, I did say I suspect at the beginning of that statement, by the way. Oh, very good. Well, that's all right. I'll, I'll leave yours in and put your uh, home address in the show notes. <laughs> No. Sure, I'll be hearing from Jimmy and his lawyer shortly. Oh, no, but I, th- I, I don't know. I, I think the point was, um, I thought it was kind of an interesting idea that, that kind of computer hardware, because I, actually, I remember now, I remember now why I brought this up, because I think that what's going to happen is that we're all going to end up with kind of netbook, kind of ne- um, thin clients, you know, because everything runs in the browser. We're all doing this kind of stuff. And the only stuff, the only computers that are capable of, uh, actually authoring and um, you know, making this multimedia, dealing with the photos, making movies, doing serious kind of audio content are going to be very highly priced. It's the same thing that's happened in the camcorder market where you used to be able to get kind of pretty decent prosumer stuff for kind of around about a thousand bucks. Now, everything below 5,000 bucks or 4,000 bucks is pants. It's rubbish. You know, that's why I still use some of my old DV cameras because they've got pro features and I can't buy anything equivalent that's going to cost me any less. And I think that's what's going to happen in the computer market. We're going to end up with these very, very expensive machines for creating stuff and obviously server things. And the rest of us, the, the mass produced stuff will be, you know, the, the dual two gigahertz basic pen, you know, that kind of thing. So we're going to end up with celebrity endorsing powerful creative machines will be perhaps kind of the way to go. Hmm. 
There's my soap. Thank you. I thank you very much. And uh, on the, uh, so uh, I get, I get, I can, that means I can get the last word. Fantastic. <laughs> a frightening hey. view of the future brought to you by Nick Bat. But I don't know. I think we're getting there. I think it's going to end up that way. Anyway, so uh, once again, thank you everybody for uh, joining us. Um, very much appreciate you joining us in the chat room, sonicstate.com forward slash live. Thanks to our show sponsors, yamaha.co.uk. Uh, remember, check out their stuff. If you go sonicstate.com forward slash yamaha, there'll be all the links there. And also thank you to loopmasters.com and uh, free stuff at Sonic State and also uh, all my local guests as well so um, say uh, thank you to David Spears who sat next to me with an almost empty glass Cheers. I'll just uh, yes, do a quick again. ting uh, thank you for bringing the booze down you're welcome and also thank you very much g4software.com I nearly forgot that shows how I'm slipping and thank you very much to uh, PJ Tracy from PJ Tracy Music oh thank you it's been a pleasure been great fun to have you aboard glad we got the gang together have a great week yeah it's been great fun thank you and hello to louise who's uh, just uh, my missus room. walked in have you been to a shoe shop lately that's a shoe no, is that a bag oh, ah, okay okay enough not shoes but clothes yeah. you're safe anyway um so and also thank you to uh rich hilton for joining us this week i know you because you've got to pack and go to buenos aires and do your gig man it's true but I'm always happy to do this. I love doing this. Oh, well, it's been great fun this week. Really enjoyed it. And uh, so, Rich, have a really good trip. I'm really looking forward to hearing how it all went and uh, you know, the, the, the wonders of Buenos Aires. Well, you get gifts, don't you, at Sheet Geeks? You, you always get lots of gifts given to you. I wonder what you get in Buenos Aires. Do you think you get some beef jerky or something? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I'm not expecting any gifts on this one. No, I suppose. Okay. Well, anyway, have a great trip. And uh, myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius. And also, thank you very much to Mark Tinley for joining us as well this week. Been a pleasure having you aboard. You're very welcome. Autismhero.com is where you can see what you're up to. Uh, so have you, um, have you managed to get your um, World Improving Think Tank session off the ground yet? Are you started? No, still planning. Uh, okay, fair enough. I did have a really good email earlier on, though, from Simon Baron-Cohen, who is the uh, chap that researches autism in the UK, so... Good. Well, good luck to you. And uh, thank you very much again for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, thank you all to all of our guests, past, present and future, uh, for, jo- for making Sonic Talk what it has been and uh, for getting us to uh, episode 140. Have you got any kind of emotional sort of music that you can play in the background there, Tape? <laughs> right, that's the wrong... Pr- anyway, the, the, synth, the, the random synth excerpts have been brought to you by the Dave Smith Tetra that, uh, and, and the Push It button. Well, that good. was good. One. Sounds good. Yeah, it does sound good. Anyway, um, that's all for today. Sonic Talk number 150 is in the can. Thank you very much. Surfing now, everybody's learning how Come on a safari with